can turn the world on with her smile Who can take a nothing day And suddenly make it all seem worthwhile Well, it's you, girl, and you should know it With each glance and every little movement you show it Love is all around, no need to waste it You can have the time, why don't you take it Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And welcome to the show, guys. Welcome back. We have a great episode for you today. Well, an okay episode for you today. It's a fun episode. It's a fun episode. All about racism. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, not I, all about. It's not all about racism, but there's a racist kind of feel to it that I think was was not even uh, not uh, conscious not of, conscious from the time right it's only conscious from us looking back you know looking back later. yeah looking back from from the vantage point of of 2018 exactly so this week's episode episode four of season two or sorry episode three of season two he's no heavy he's my brother so Mary and Rhoda... It's written with the accent. It's written with the accent. It's really difficult. Well, he's no heavy. He's my brother. Just to to say it clean, but let's face it, that's what they're getting at. It's uh, Mary and Rhoda decide to take vacation. Mary's vacation time is coming up, and so they decide they're going to go to Mexico. But when they can't get a reservation at the place they want to go, the Gustavo... Gustavo the, with, the, with the jacket that says Fernando. The, the Hernando. It was... Oh, Hernando. Hernando. So Gustavo, not Hernando, <laughs> uh, decides to lend a helping hand and help them res- make reservations at another resort. However, the price for this favor is that they have to take a very secretive package to Mexico with them. So naturally, this so naturally this gives us some uh, Midnight Express vibes. Exactly, and that's kind of what they get at. From Without saying the words drugs. drugs or weed or marijuana or and I love anything. That and I love that it's clearly weed that they're talking about. It's I not know. even like hash. No. It's just it's just pot because they <laughs> when they finally open the box because they they get the package and it's gift wrapped. Right. And he's giving her very specific instructions. You go to this place, you ask for so and so and then you give the package to this woman to Pilar to Pilar and only to Pilar and to nobody else and she'll understand she'll know what it means when she lights it when she yeah when, when you light she, it think of me when she lights it think of me so Pilar. and then and then Rhoda kind of caves and it's like we have to open this package we have to see what's inside so they they violate this man's privacy mm. open the parcel and there's this green packaging on the top like protective packing and Rhoda goes, oh, my God, I knew it. So clearly they're talking about weed, but it's kind of like, yo, man, relax. It's just yeah, hot. It's, it's only weed. And going from Minneapolis mm-hmm. to Mexico, I don't think so. Well, exactly. I think Mary even says, she's like, they don't smuggle drugs into the country. <laughs> but it's kind of, a, it's a pretty light episode. Yeah. But one, and they, they discuss, 
it was a little shocking to me the way they kind of addressed race and women in this episode with because Mary's trying to decide where to take her vacation and it's a really cold winter oh minus one degree Ooh-hoo. although I think are they saying is it minus one Fahrenheit it is Minneapolis okay. I think is really really cold okay, even by go. Canadian standards yeah, because I'm thinking minus one. What's the big deal? Relax. No, but no, no, it's like minus one Fahrenheit, not no. Celsius. Um, and to try and decide where to go, I think it was Murray who grabs a woman out of the film, like the the, the film library, the film or library some, or something. Some, yeah, and goes, look at this tan. Go where she went. And that kind of struck me as, I mean, again, this is looking back on 1971 from the vantage point of 2018 but that did not hit me well how so because well it's it's brazen objectification and it's it's using a woman's physique as the measure for where to take your trip look at her skin it's beautiful golden brown go where you will become this golden brown as well you know take that as your deciding factor it just struck me it's it's not something that you would see now. You wouldn't see someone today reference someone's tan or objectify them in that way as a means of deciding where you're going to take your vacation. Like, that's perverse. Well, it is, but a, f- a few things about that. Mm-hmm. One is, and we talked about this earlier, that I think the the world travels a lot more now and we're yes. way more informed about where to go on vacations. And I think in... 1971 Mm -hmm. not so much and you needed to go to a travel agency and get brochures and look at what was available and there's a lot less available Mm -hmm. like when you look at resort uh, destinations uh, let's say in Mexico there were parts of Mexico that were completely not touristy at the time so people really didn't know um, where to go the fact that they brought this woman out, the whole idea of getting a tan yeah. and coming back with a tan to Minneapolis yeah. was uh, a measure of a successful holiday. Which is also, at the time, it's really indicative of health standards at the time. Absolutely. Because yeah. this woman wasn't wearing sunscreen. This woman yeah. was, was slathering on the tanning oil. Exactly. And, you know, using the, the metal, the tanning reflector. Tell you, this is what your booby used to oh, do. Oh, I know. I've so seen the photos. I've seen, seen the photos. I've seen the pictures of my booby on vacation in the 60s. In and Florida. In Florida. Or even getting off the plane in Israel. Like, I've seen mm-hmm. those pictures. With and she plane. had the platinum blonde beehive. And white clothing, and she was mahogany. She was so she was so, brown. so dark. Yeah, and it was and that like was, that was a measure of the success of your holiday that you yeah. got so much sun. But I feel like that was just the way she tried to maintain herself a lot of the time. Like, were um, tanning beds weren't a thing then, were they? No, no, they used to both. Your grandparents mm-hmm. would lie out in the sun in the backyard of their home before yeah. they had their condo. And with the reflector and get tanned. It was an activity. And you had to get as dark as possible. Absolutely. Because if you could tan, that meant that you had leisure time and was a mark of... That's it. It was a mark of excess. It was a mark of of financial stability. Pretty much. Yeah. It was a status symbol. Yeah. Which is so funny to think because, you know... 
because workers in the fields get brown and well, and, and people in certain parts of the world don't want to be brown, they want to be white. Well, exactly. And I mean, that's, that's something that has changed culturally over time, mm-hmm. which is if, um, like in the Middle Ages... Mm-hmm. You tried to be as pale as possible, of course, because that meant that that was a symbol of wealth. Because it meant you didn't have Leisure to do class. anything. Yeah, exactly. Kings and queens and princes and princesses and duchesses and, and dukes. Exactly. You wanted ivory skin. You wanted mm-hmm. porcelain skin. The whiter you were, it meant you were more affluent. And if you right. were tan or dark of any in any way, it meant you tended the fields. It meant you worked outside. You worked with your hands, and you were poor. Exactly. Whereas now it's become the opposite. But that's only to a certain extent because we do still we do not exist in a post-racial North America, despite you know what some mm-hmm. people would have you believe, where this idea of being tan being a status symbol at least at the time that didn't apply to people who were naturally darker. Right. If you were well, black, that didn't apply. If you were if you were Mexican or Spanish or of, of Latin descent. That didn't apply. It only applies to white people. Exactly. Having said that, Gordy, in when this young woman was brought out from yes. uh, uh, from the back room where she had, you know, film reels, mm-hmm. um, and and he made or somebody made some comment. Look, look at this woman's tan, and Gordy jokingly said, "So what?" Or like. Big deal, or something like that. Oh, I that. didn't catch that. Yeah, and Gordy's the black uh, uh, the sports and uh, or sportscaster. Weather. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I made the same mistake as Ted. <laughs> I apologize to Gordy, to Ted, to everyone. Oh no, never apologize to Ted. He doesn't deserve apologies. He's good. Okay. But <laughs> Not to Gordy. But that that's funny. That was funny. That's yeah, it was and, kind of like a little just a kind little, of yeah. Yeah, he just threw that in there like so what? He's Big deal. Way, he's the weatherman. You have a tan. Oh yep. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. But the young woman we assume is Caucasian. And oh, yet, she totally is, yeah. And yet Ted speaks to her like she's Mexican. He made some comment in speaking to her with... Well, you know, no, that was because uh, Ted was saying, well, I should go there too. I could learn Spanish. And, yeah. and Murray made a passing joke about him not being not, able to not, speak English. Right. Well, that sounds perfect. It certainly does. I think I'll go there on my vacation. Plus, I'll be able to brush up on my Spanish. Ted, it's hard for me to believe that you can speak Spanish when you're barely fluent in English. Oh, really? <laughs> Listen to this. Senorita, how are you? Fine, thank you. Ted, that's not speaking Spanish. Oh, she understood me, didn't she? So that that in and of itself, there's a whole racialized segment of this episode that is kind of, it's, again, it's doing what the Mary Taylor Moore show does really well, even this early in in the game, is it's it's addressing social issues in a kind of covert way. Mm-hmm. And in a way that's both aware and unaware. It is. Like, it's funny because you are obviously way more aware of this, mm-hmm. whereas I see it as a sign of the times. Very much where, so. Where... Um, Tanning was a, a valuable commodity, mm-hmm. and going to someplace off the beaten path was, or a warm climate was a valuable commodity. But the whole idea of it being racist, I don't see. Well, it's not the it's it's not the going to a, a tropical place that's racist. It's not that. It's the immediate judgment of of um, I want to call him Hernando now. 
Gustavo. Of Gustavo. Thank you. It's the of immediate... Gustavo as a drug dealer? Yes. Of the assumption yes. that he is a Mexican Absolutely. drug lord or he's yeah. a Mexican drug dealer. That's all he, that's all he is. Right. Um, and the it assumption... It sounds familiar from someone who says they don't send us their best. They, the send, ha, ha, ha. they send us their... You they know, send us, they're, they're, they're nothing but rapists and murderers. Yes. Hmm. I wonder yeah. who said that. I don't know. I think he's so, someone in power. No. Who knows why? Yeah. But it, yeah, so it's, it, that's it. And that's exactly where my head went. It's right. like, okay, so here we see what was definitely the thought process of the day. Mm-hmm. It was also, you know, he says, it's kind, again, it, it, the, you have the show kind of being very self-aware of that social dis- disconnect and at the same time kind of being a little unaware of it. But one, so the way they respond to Gustavo is feels very of the time and may have just been, uh, it may not have been a comment. I think to some extent it was, but it was definitely a comment when Gustavo mentions that there is this really beautiful beach that has not yet been ruined by you, by you turi- tourists. By you turistas. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Which, I think that's a great line. Which is a great little dig. Yeah, it and, is. And it's and that's conscious. That's definitely a Very conscious much so. decision. Very much so. But, you know, yeah, looking at... That. So I like it in that direction mm-hmm. more so than I like it in the opposite direction where... We, we white people assume that he's a drug dealer. Yeah. Which, again, I'm kind of on the fence as to whether or not that's just indicative of the times, the times, or whether, the times. or whether it was a conscious decision. Because mm. it's this episode was my co- gut feeling is that you you're reading more into it than there was at the time. It's and it's possible, mm. but with. <laughs> I don't know. With something like this, it kind of becomes a little bit of a question. Is that the case? Is it not? With, you know, uh, Gordy saying the, you know, in passing, so what? What's the big deal? Right. She's 10. So I think that's, look at me. Like, that's totally. That feels very yeah. overt. With you that turistas, it, yes. that feels that's very, very overt. overt. With the fact that it's it turns out to be nothing but a gift for, for, for a mm-hmm. woman that he loves, mm-hmm. that's also very overt. You know, he's just like anybody else. And he's, he's a regular guy. He's a yeah. regular guy who's also been displaced in order to try and make a better life for himself, and all he's getting is, is judgment. Mm. Right. So that's that feels overt. But there's but there's other stuff peppered throughout the episode, like the the using of the woman to measure her tan as a as a way to decide where to go. That feels very much of the time and kind of incidentally now in hindsight is a little bit of a problematic question. I see see it less about race than about um, sexism. Not even because whoever's in the back there could have been a guy. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. But I see it more as as how superficial that mm-hmm. you that you choose, you know, how shallow of you to choose the destination based on how good a tan you get. Yeah. I, I, I see as a it status symbol. As a status symbol. Yeah. And it's interesting because we were talking about while we were watching the show, while we were watching the episode, we were discussing how the way we go about simple things like booking a trip has vastly changed in the digital age because you were saying you know you look at the way that they used to do that and they had brochures and you called a travel agent and that was really the only way you could go about doing it shy of just going to the airport picking something off the board and saying Mm -hmm. give me a ticket to this place exactly yeah that's interesting to think about in and of itself because i i have traveled 
a lot. I've been to many places and my experience with traveling has never involved a single brochure. I think I have only used a travel agent once and that was when I was already in Thailand and I was with friends and we ran into them and they were like, hey, we can get you, a, you know, let us help you plan the next leg of your trip so you don't have to worry about it. And we're just like, okay. But I've never, otherwise I've never used a travel agent. It's a totally foreign concept to me. Right. Did... That's not foreign for you. You've used a no, travel agent regularly. It's definitely regularly. not foreign to me. And I was, I was mentioning to you also in the conversation mm-hmm. uh, that I was in Greece for my first honeymoon 40 years ago. With my father. And I very clearly remember, actually, it was your Aunt Frances who was working huh. as a travel agent at the time. Oh, I think I remember this, yes. Yes, and so... Um, yeah, absolutely. You would book things through a travel agency because there was no, there was no other option. Mm-hmm. That is how you traveled. Right. Um, and it seemed perfectly normal. And to this day, when we travel in a more complicated manner, like when we were in Africa and we went to three different game reserves and we were in cities and there were many planes, trains and automobiles mm-hmm. to arrange, uh, we... Uh, turned it over to I we do have a trusted travel agent who is very good at these things right now having said that we just came back from uh, Nassau and I obviously booked that on our own because that's just a flight and it's a no-brainer and you know where you're going and you're not doing too much exploring and it's a place you've been before right yeah and I mean even before doing anything the first thing you would do is go online and look up the places that you want to go to and mm-hmm. explore or the options that you have or go on TripAdvisor or whatever. All those things didn't exist. And we looked up to see when some of the uh, major travel guides like right. Photos and, and Lonely, Lonely Planet. Planet. Lonely Planet was founded in 1972 by a husband and wife team mm-hmm. of adventure travelers. Exactly. And uh, so it's very in keeping with... Uh, with the tone of the time. Absolutely. Whereas yeah. something like Photos. Keep wanting. It makes me think of Game of Thrones. Keeps me on. <laughs> just keep wanting Hodor? to say Hodor. 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 Uh, when Fod- uh, f- is it Fodor? Fodor is the guy's last Fodor's, name. Right. When it started, that was what nineteen forty nine. I think nineteen forty nine. Out. Yes. And it's and they're vastly different. So from nineteen forty nine, you would have had those as travel guides to kind of help you find you know, galleries to visit or restaurants to see or museums and like the obvious places. It was a way of bringing about kind of this new tourism culture at the time in, in the, in the fifties that would have been fairly new. So it was a way of bringing tourism to the masses. Mm -hmm. Whereas by the time you see the advent of something like Lonely Planet in the, in the early seventies, You've got the hippie generation coming out. You've got backpackers really starting. Travel and is changing. Youth Hid- hostels and budget travel. Exactly. Travel is becoming more accessible and Absolutely. it's changing. It's becoming more off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. And you see that reflected in something like Lonely Planet. The Lonely Planet books are fantastic. I had the Southeast Asia on a Shoestring book, which if you if you look it up, you can see... It's enormous. It is huge. It's thousands of pages long. It's wow. it's like it's a tome. Um, it's still travelable. It's not so huge. It's you know it's not the Encyclopedia it Britannica. It it's it's small enough that you can take it with you, but it's big enough that it definitely adds noticeable weight to your to your backpack. 
And I brought that with me when I was in Southeast Asia and it proved very useful for certain places. It was a little bit excessive. If I was going around all of Southeast Asia, it would have probably been more worthwhile, but it's still, and I didn't even keep it. I remember I actually ditched it in Bangkok because it was too heavy and I wasn't using it anymore. And that's what you do when you're backpacking, which is something that you learn while you're doing it is mm. you shed stuff because yeah, you kind of have, have to, to. Uh, for, for various reasons. Um, you stop wanting to lug around all the same stuff all over the place and you don't actually need as much stuff as you brought. But it's it's interesting how those two things completely changed the way we interact with travel. Very and even so. just this representation of what travel is, that they did use the travel agent and, and, and they had to have someone help them. Because you mentioned something that was kind of interesting to me in terms of outsourcing for help with booking trips and things like that. There's a lot of things that now, with the advent of the internet, with the democratization of media, yes. that we no longer outsource for certain things the way we used to we we you know we do everything in-house and by in-house i mean in your house like at home in your house in front of your uh, laptop exactly very with, much so with a lot of things we can do yeah. a lot more ourselves and so we take on we absorb depending on what it is that we need and what it is that we're looking for we are now doing different we're doing more jobs than we would have in the past without it being a job. That's if that, that makes sense. That makes total sense, and I think that applies not to, not only to travel but to many many other things that oh, we yeah. do ourselves. And I think it, I think it's nice. It's good. At the same time, I think it makes our lives busier than ever. Yes. Like in the past, if you wanted to, and we'll continue on the travel theme because that's, that's where we are. Yeah. You would call your friendly travel agent and say, we want to go somewhere warm for a week in February. This is our budget. Go to, go, go to work. Go find. Go yeah. find. Call me back in a few days. Mm -hmm. And that's what they would do. And if you choose, that still exists. But I believe it's, it's a, I, I don't know. Uh, like I know in, in the case of our travel agent, mm -hmm. she is more of a niche market for uh, more complex kind of trips mm -hmm. um, because even she recognizes that people will book their own when it's simple. Mm -hmm. And so, they'll go looking for their own things. Yeah. But it's not always that simple. Like, it's amazing how much... It's a much paradox of choice. There's too much out there. There's too much and things are expensive. And yes. the benefit of a travel agent, and this is something that I do remember from my one experience with a travel agent is that they can find you... The best deals. The best deals. Absolutely. They can find you great. And and there are some websites that are really good for that. Like Red Tag is excellent. Mm -hmm. Mighty Travel, I think is what it's called, is Don't really fantastic. It sends... You can get... It's a former boss of mine. Showed that to me. And it's a uh, it's a website that sends out email updates. They, they, they're constantly updating with like the cheapest travel uh, deals from around the world mm -hmm. and and they're usually time sensitive like if you book now and fly between blah and blah you can get to and from iceland for 500 dollars. right like insanely cheap stuff and that's and so you have to be aware of what you want and when you might be able to travel mm -hmm. to take advantage of those specials and even sometimes sort of just when you're able to travel because a lot of people are also starting to base their 
travel decisions around when they can get it for the cheapest. For sure. And that's definitely like I've made some decisions that way. I know when I went to Barcelona, part of the decision to actually go was because Sunwing was having, I think their, was it Sunwing? I can't remember. Some airline was having their first uh, few forays. Like they didn't have flights that went into oh, Spain. So, so this was one of the new, new ones. So for a round trip, it was 600 bucks. Amazing. Which is nuts to fly to Europe for $600. Yeah, and really it was good. in the summer. Yeah. Like that's unheard of. So mm-hmm. I just booked it because I had vacation time coming up. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is a great deal. I guess I'm going to Spain. <laughs> so that's what happened. Right. And that's kind of, you know, in this instance, it's kind of a similar situation because Mary's vacation time was coming she's up. She's stuck with taking vacation in the next two weeks. Or she loses it. It was that, you know, it's, it's been a year, so you can use your vacation time from this year in the next two, in the next two to three weeks, or you lose it and you have to start earning up again, ah, which is annoying. It's annoying. We've all had somewhat similar situations. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about the, the way that we used to interact with travel, the way that we interact with travel now, the way it's different, the way it's not so different. And it is, it. The world is smaller. People travel a lot more. Yeah. It used to be, as you said, that it was reserved for the rich. And then it it changed to, not changed, but it expanded to be um, <clears throat> a, a hippie thing to do to backpack through Europe or Southeast Asia or, or South America or mm-hmm. wherever. And now there is all of that. Now yeah. there is a niche market for every possible form of travel you could you could imagine. But it has gone back to being incredibly expensive. Even if you can get... Yeah. if you, Accommodations can be done cheaply. and Air travel, not <clears> too much. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. Even within Canada, if you wanted to fly well, from... Within Canada is outrageous. It's, in, it's, it's insane. Like, it's, it's really shocking how expensive it is to fly within... To travel within, within Canada. Canada. To f- even by train. Train is expensive. Yeah. To fly from Toronto to Vancouver. For, so from the province of Ontario, for those not in Canada, to the province of British Columbia, all the way on the west coast. It's very, very, very far. It's it's quite far when you it's consider the flight. It's exactly, and it's and it's a different time zone and everything. It's, I'd say, a minimum of eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Give or take to make and that's that a flight. Domestic flight. So it's exactly, crazy. which yeah. is nuts. Whereas you, you know. And and getting to Europe can be incredibly expensive. You're looking at probably a minimum of $1,000, and that's a cheap flight. Mm. If you wanted to fly to Europe, if you wanted to fly to the States, six to $800, give or take, depending on where you're flying and depending on what airline. Uh, flying over to places in, in Asia, you're looking at a minimum of twelve to $1,500. So getting anywhere is now... So we're stuck in Canada. It will, kind of. Unless <laughs> you can drive and have a car... And are and willing to pay for the, the expensive gas. Well, yeah, like no. to get around North America. Even. Yeah. But then that also takes time, which is costly. So we've gone from this period of time where travel was cheap. The golden age of travel. Yeah, which was probably the 1970s, if you think about it. At least in my assumption. In, yeah. I, 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 that's, that's not far off. And I remember probably in the, in the early 80s as well that tra- there, were, there were destinations... 
like Spain and Portugal that were very cheap because they were just drumming up their tourist business. Mm. So you could go there and stay there and and it was a very cheap destination. Nothing mm-hmm. is a cheap destination anymore. No. Like you can again, you can get to some places and the the being there is cheap. Like eating like throughout Spain is incredibly is cheap. cheap. Eating in most of Italy is dirt cheap. Drinking in Italy, the the wine is almost as cheap, if not cheaper, than water, mm. which is insane. And it's amazing no matter how little you spend on it. And you know, in 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 Asia, getting around once you're there and and accommodations and food is dirt cheap. You can live off of ten dollars a day on food. That's pretty amazing. Which and that's eating out. Like yeah. it's incredible. Um, it takes some doing, but you can still do it for dirt mm-hmm. cheap for nothing, mm-hmm. but getting there is expensive. So it's still, while we're in this position now where once we get somewhere, we can see a lot, depending on where we are, getting there is the hard part. And that kind of alienates people from traveling. There are a lot of people who have never left Canada, uh, because. Although it, there are even more people who have never left the U S yes, apparently the, the percentage of people in the U S who don't have a passport. It's really high. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, it's much, much less. Canadians mm. travel more. They travel more outside the country. Yeah. The other thing, and this is just an, a, a, an aside that occurred to me mm-hmm. because I've seen it in my recent travels, and that is that um, there are certain countries where the citizens did not travel outside the country because essentially they didn't have a middle class that had disposable income. Right. And now they do. So... And companies know this, and they will create travel packages for, let's say, Chinese citizens in China. So you will find um, middle-class Chinese traveling in uh, Eastern Europe or uh, South America or wherever because they now can, and they couldn't in the past. So it's become a lot more democratized Mm -hmm. to be able to travel and see the world. Yes, which is interesting. But yeah. that's that's probably a whole other ball of wax. I'm sure we could keep looking into and diving into the democratization of travel and the history of travel. Now, actually, I'm kind of curious to do it just kind of for fun. As a, as a separate thing. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Okay. But thank you for joining us, guys. That was episode three. He, he no heavy. He my brother. I have to. I can't. And there's a reference to a song, which you may or may not know, by the Hollies. Exactly. He that ain't was, heavy. He's my brother. Which was a top ten hit from the year from the previous year. There you go. So next week, we will be looking at Room 223. Which is a reference to a TV show that was from the 70s called Room 222. Which was about? It was a classroom. It was kind of a classroom drama. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I know I watched it. Can I tell you what was <laughs> What that? happened? What happened? Not so much. But I did enjoy it then. <laughs> so this week... Uh, well, next week. Frustrated with her lack of progress at WJM, Mary decides to sharpen her skills with a class in television journalism. Naturally, she catches the teacher's eye. She always so catches. She catches everyone's eye. eye. That's She's why Rhoda wants to be close to her. Girl. Ah. Her pixie dust. Her pixie dust. So tune in next week when we discuss that and all of Mary's desires to better herself through school and the incident, the incidental presence of a cute teacher. And. He is cute. 
In the meantime, if you haven't yet, head on over to iTunes where you can and should rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can catch all of our episodes there, and by subscribing, you never miss a beat. If you want to, you can also touch base with us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at After All, Ca- uh, at After All Podcast. Done this enough times, you'd think I'd remember. Or you can reach out via email. We love to hear from you. We are at After All Podcast at gmail.com. And until next time. <laughs>